0: Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise, the podcast that dives deep into the unexplored depths of cinema and occasionally the unexplained. This week, G-Baby and the Usual Suspect Steve plunge headfirst into the dystopian depths of acclaimed director Alfonso Cuaron's cinematic masterpiece from 2006, Children of Men, a film that explores themes of hope, sacrifice, and the resilience of the human spirit. Join us as we discuss another Clive Owen-led, intrigue-laden banger, this time supported by Michael Caine's burnout, John Lennon-styled hippie pot grower activist.
1: My name's Michael
0: Caine. Wax philosophic about faith and chance in perpetually gray London. And finally, get to the gut punch that is the conclusion of the film, tempered in redemption. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers, traverse a landscape where women have become infertile, And the world has fallen into depravity and despair. Perhaps a modern day parable about just how fragile society really is. In a world gone mad and set aflame, the porpoises might just be the only ones keeping their cool.
1: It's a leap of faith, Jack.
0: Let's wax this overcast porpoise.
2: don't do that. see, we're we working on his brow shopper. We're just in back of the
0: shopper. Welcome back to Waxing the Porpoise, the podcast where we dive deep into the dark and uncharted waters of film, high strangeness, and everything in between. You get a horse and live in the mountains someplace. On this episode 86 now, we have gathered to discuss the 2006 dystopian, uh, let's say drama thriller, uh, Children of Men. Uh, Before we get into it, you got myself, Jim G. Baby. And of course we have the usual suspect, Steve. On my
2: head? Well, yeah, what are they going to drop you on somebody else's
0: head? (laughs) What is it with How's you
1: going?
0: and your fucking fucking sandwiches? You <laughs> going good, buddy? <laughs> I'm not your fucking da da. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, glad to have you back. Uh, talking about children of men. Man, here we go. I wasn't expecting the. Uh, I I think I under underestimated, like how dope and like how affecting this movie can be. Cause it's been quite a while and it's stuck with me for a long time. So I'm excited to get into this one. Um, <clears throat> before we do, uh, do you have any housekeeping type stuff or, uh, anything you wanted to talk about before we get into the, the, uh, whole enchilada here?
1: Um, no, nothing that, nothing that comes to mind.
0: Oh, one thing. I can't remember this. Are you a Fargo guy? You a Moon Guy?
1: Uh movie, yes. I haven't watched any of the television any of the series. Sh-
0: damn. I just finished season five and it was damn good. I really, really fucking enjoyed it. The show is awesome, man. You got you should give it a shot. And start start with season one if you do. Billy Bob's in it. And he plays a really good, like nuanced villain. Like he's a cold motherfucker, but you also, he's, he's, he's kind of likable in a way, but, um, yeah, I, I think the way they did it, like the, the first season of that is, is such a good handoff between movie and show because I mean, it's, it's only the, the show, it shares the name and that's it. Mm -hmm. And like the region, this takes place. It's like Minnesota, North Dakota kind of bouncing back and forth these storylines. But, um, it's it's definitely has the kind of like the same dark humor it's very like it can be pretty intense and and like gory at times it just it's got this kind of from season one all the way through five it's it's developed like a distinct uh stew that's really fucking satisfying like on the level of like you know how like a game of thrones type show transcends like
1: I feel like you've been on the verge of saying "gritty" like two or three times. I
0: wanted to in my head. I was yeah. like, "Don't, don't say fucking gritty. It's I stupid." I could see, I could see your mouth. <laughs> it's trite, and then I'm like, "I'm my my brain's like struggling to grasp onto a better word." Um, yeah, it's I fucking mean, I've heard, awesome.
1: I've heard nothing but good things, so I mean, that's that's rare.
0: It's really, it's really great. And one of the things that they do, like a trademark, uh, I think the the maker of the sh- one of the showrunners must must be a really big fan of like drumline shit but they the needle drops that they use the music and the effect and when they place it is like fucking top notch but uh there's this one that's like i can't get it out of my head like they'll they'll drop something like after like a badass like like section or like something happens you know and it's like a it reminds me almost like of a like a, a batter coming up to play you know like his entrance music type uh-huh. shit like dude this one just gets me going
1: it's it's funny because having I mean, not seen the show, but haven't seen the movie. I don't see how that would go. It does thematically, man. but yeah, if you say so,
0: it does. It's so good, like ah. And you know what I like too is like they're able, like the mix of character of actors that they've kind of plucked each season. Like they pulled Billy Bob in the first season. Uh, one season, Chris Rock, rock. Jesse Plemons is in season Hell two. Yeah he's fucking great um and like some lesser known people they give like a spotlight or like a platform you know like the uh harris watches burn notice the burn notice guy the main guy he's i i never watched anything with him in it until i saw season two of fargo and he's they let him loose and he's fucking great so huh. i like how they they've they've really they picked Actors and like use their full potential in every season that they've been in. So, all right, enough of, I'm, I'm on a high. I just finished up season five and I was like, God, that was fucking good. Um, so definitely strong rack Fargo fans. Season five is great. Um, so children, men, had you ever, had you been aware of this? There's total blind spot to you.
1: Yeah, no, I'd heard of it and. I knew that it was about like a dystopian future where people weren't able to have kids. Um, Beyond that, nothing really. I knew, I knew it had kind of a uh, like message movie feel to it, but I didn't really know exactly what it would be. I actually kind of thought it was going to be like a, like an abortion sort of theme. Like, Oh my gosh, can you believe we used to we used to allow abortion and and now in the future we can't have kids. Um I wasn't expecting like a weird immigration message mm-hmm. to be like undergirding the entire thing. So that was really all I knew about it going into it. Um I don't understand there's one thing I don't understand about as as a non movie fan really. Um why isn't Clive Owen in more shit? I think he's awesome.
0: He is a great actor, man. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know if it's by choice. Cause there's some of these actors, you know, that are very selective with what they do and they value like their personal and family time and stuff like, like Rick Moranis. He fucking yeah. gave up acting completely. That's an extreme example, but there's, there's people out there that I think are, are really selective. I can't think of one that comes to mind. Maybe Sam Neill. I think he's, known for kind of picking his spots but um yeah i don't know he he i liked him a lot in croupier um yeah. sin city's great sin city's um, he's awesome Is that what is his name dwight he's great uh, I can't that guy remember. what the dude with the red shoes whatever
1: well and even he's got that kind of small part in um i think it's the first jason bourne movie when they sent yeah. him that dude yep. so good
0: yeah he plays one of the the fucking uh i like that born how they have these like kind of like mini boss like villain assassins that they that network that they can tap into um he was in another really good movie around this time called the international it's like a conspiracy kind of um international banking cartel uh shit going on in the shadows and he's kind of like this he's kind of like a fish out of water and he's like thrust into like this game of intrigue, but the international is really fucking good with him in it as well. Um, I can't write think that of down.
1: One. Cause I always forget to write down the shit we talk about.
0: Yeah. The international, it's like something I saw like a trailer for and it just, it looked like generic, like, uh, like spy, uh, wannabe like born or like a wannabe spy movie. It just, it looked very cookie cutter and, I, I happened to catch it one time, just like on a movie channel, like maybe 15 minutes in and it fucking couch locked me. I was like, this is fucking like really good. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. I can't think of much else that I've seen him in. Um, but Yeah, he's a fucking great actor. I like him a lot. Yeah. He seems like he like does like his own stunts. Like there's a couple of scenes in this movie I'm like is he really just chunking his fucking feet the whole movie <laughs> in sandals <laughs> like that? Cuz there's one scene where it looks like he fucking steps on something and he's like ah fuck and like he's really he's getting after it. Um
1: Yeah, I'm especially sensitive to that cuz I'm a shoes on all the time guy. Only Om- Socks only come off like to go to bed, take a shower.
0: I was thinking it would have been funny. Like, I picture you going to bed and you have like little Samba socks on that <laughs> look just like your shoes before you go to bed.
1: <laughs> Time for my nighttime socks. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? Um, it was good. I think it's a little overrated. I don't know if it's Ooh. yeah. I don't know if it's uh just Mr. the time Hot takes. Oh yeah, I've got a couple other unpopular opinions coming. I'm I'm sure, but I'm sure you do. I mean, uh, IMDb seven point nine. Fine, that's on the upper upper end it's of the normal. Pretty solid. That, that is, pretty yeah. Up
0: there. I was actually shocked to see that. I was like, because I liked this film a lot, and I was like. I don't think it's a 7.9 IMDB. Yeah. I would put it more I'd go 7275 range.
1: Well, yeah, I mean cuz that's that's like 95% of <laughs> good movies fall in that range.
0: Yeah, I am not really going on a limb there, but But Rotten
1: Tomatoes is 92 critics, 85 with the people. 85 <sighs> seems about right. Um hmm. I I did find I did find a couple A couple funny reviews, and then I found one five-star review that, I don't know what this guy was thinking, but this was uh, William on Amazon. And it starts strange and ends even stranger. He says, I'm not a huge fan of Clive Owen or Julianne Moore, which automatically is like, why? So he says, I'm not a huge fan of Clive Owen or Julianne Moore, but they are sublime in their roles. I don't believe that there is a better movie ever made. The story is dystopian perfection with just enough hope, just enough hope to keep it alive. Wow. I, I can't abide that, but I did see a bunch like that. People fucking love this movie, the which. The
0: best movie yeah. I've ever seen? No.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I think. I think pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple little kind of nitpicky things with the plot, but. I think once again, this is just a movie that was a better book that they, they cut too much out that they needed a little more explanation. So like we've talked about before, I don't need to be spoon fed all of the background or, or character information, but for the love of God, you got to give me a little bit, especially when, uh, so like dystopian future movies, not really my favorite. Um, I mean, I really liked 1984 when I read it, but I think the reason why I didn't really like the premise of this one was, uh, you know, 20 years in the future, whatever, uh, people are unable to have children. Um, You got to explain to me a little bit why if, because it was really distracting because I kept thinking was, was this like an overnight thing, like a. An atomic bomb went off and took away the ozone layer, or you know, uh, something got in the water supply of the world, and it's the food you're eating, or whatever. Or was it a long term thing? I was a little distracted. Like, I mean, if this happened over like a thirty year period, there would have had to have been efforts to try to curb this. You know, if, if they're seeing the fertility rates go down and down and down, whatever. There was no explanation at all of why now suddenly just there are no new children being born Mm -hmm. so that was a little irritating and then also at the same time the entire world is on fire reasons why also unclear i mean you could have done it for britain yeah i mean you could have done it with just one or two little lines of dialogue like oh you know um the u.s got itself got itself involved in another pointless war in the middle east and it brought in russia and china and it it created world war 3 and now the only habitable environment is england or whatever you know you could have just right you could have done something so i i just i don't need that's the, fair the entire biography of everybody involved as well but i mean a little more background would have been nice um
0: it does seem glossed over it's it almost seems like a like a a quick highlight reel on the bus that you get when it's, yeah. it shows like Mexico city, United States, New York, yeah. Lisbon, Portugal, brah, 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 brah. And then it's all, all have fallen except for Britain. Like yeah. that's, that's what you get to like. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think people throughout the movie, they said, you know, when the world fell or something like that, but yeah, that, that is one. I was like eh, I'd like, I would like a little bit more like, like a couple of the dominoes, you know, Right that because maybe I feel started like, that because I
1: feel like sort of the point of the dystopian future movie, in my opinion, is not necessarily like let's transport ourselves to that future and and see what it would be like. There should almost be like a cautionary tale of hey, we are just like one or two bad decisions away from this fucking future, so mm-hmm. maybe in hindsight, looking back, let's maybe avoid the things that possibly led to this shitty future you know instead of just like because imagine if imagine if um uh, I'm trying to think of a good example if there was just a movie where they're like okay uh it's the year's 2050 uh the sun is gone and um you know the the ocean is 50 feet higher it's like okay well what i mean it'd be cool to know like what led to that instead of just right. now we're here everything is fucked everything is fucked here dude <laughs>
0: my fucking whites (coughs) excuse me yeah there there are a couple parts where but for me like the whole I kind of liked that they didn't go into the why about the infertility I kind of liked that being kind of nebulous like in the background like oh that's kind of weird because at the end of the day when we're zooming in I mean it's really just like a battle about survival and yeah key and Theo linking up and like what Michael Caine says at, at a point too, talking about faith and chance, you know, and like, you know, it, I can't expand on it further, but there's a lot of points where it's like Theo takes a chance, you know, and he gets lucky and, and like the interplay between like having faith, it's like, do they have to be distinct or they can, they be th- something that kind of meshes together. Um that's kind of getting out into the philosophic realm but um, I I kind of like that they kept it nebulous because that's not the point even if they did like to me that that wouldn't help me or give me anything further out of our main story which is kind of like I don't know if it's a redemption arc but it's like it's this guy who's broken as shit and you know he finds another purpose he finds something bigger than himself to like or he's maybe like in his in his own way or in his mind making up for um his child dying you know like he's giving new life or something something along those lines i i really like that and the actually the ending of this fucking i was not expecting it to fucking come out of nowhere and kind of hit me dude i was like sitting here watching this while i'm working and i was like fucking my neck my my throat fucking started tightening up i was getting i was getting misty at like three in the afternoon i was like what's going on right now um but that's I, yeah, just I, my opinion
1: well and that's fair i mean i definitely wouldn't criticize your opinion about that uh i will say the ending quarter or whatever was it was good you know it was
0: the last 20 30 minutes fucking kicks it up into high gear it's pretty cool
1: yeah yeah and i think you're right It it is sort of like a redemption for him not being able to save his own kid um and it sort of turns into like the road you know this long journey of just getting fucked up left and right and
0: yeah just like more bad shit and tense and like fuck how are they gonna get through this part you know and like some of the i i do have problems with that too though because some of the some of the things that they have to do and like the go-betweens they have to it it seemed it did get a little convoluted in spots or i mean you could just chalk it up to you know they got really lucky and that goes back to like chance and faith and you know because before like they they kind of they insinuate that he was a four or they come out and say it. He was a former activist and like his spirit's been broken and now he just doesn't give a shit. Like, I mean, at the beginning it's illustrated like how much he doesn't give a fuck because, um, well, I guess I want to just say this real quick, just so we get like a, a, a quick plot understanding. So the world's youngest citizen has just died at age 18. Humankind is facing the likelihood of its own extinction because for some reason, not explained to us all of a sudden, the world has gone infertile. no more kids being had, women can't get pregnant. I um, also don't think
1: twenty years is long enough in the future for such a <clears throat> for such a radical change in circumstances, yeah, because maybe. i think I think nineteen eighty four I think that was written in like the forties, right Mhm, so I mean a lot can happen in forty years, but i don't know 20 years just seems like i I did see one funny review where they're like what the fuck this is supposed to be uh 2027 but it looks like years from now no it looks like england in in the year 1200
0: (laughs) yeah dude it does look really battered and like brutalist and like just dark and gray and so much trash
1: so much fucking
0: trash yeah um Well, I mean, I'm sure that's one of the first things to go when like infrastructure breaks down and you're having to like ration stuff and like, um,
1: yeah, sorry. I derailed the synopsis.
0: No, it's all good. Um, so we're obviously we're in, uh, London and it's torn apart by violence as, as is the rest of the world. But it seems like Britain is the last bastion of like order, uh, and hope, because they're turning away that's where the strong like report illegal immigrants like the immigration uh theme is very strong there and that's how they're controlling their their borders and they're, they're the last you know piece of civilization that isn't fucking descended into chaos um, until we discover that there is a girl named key who is pregnant and we're in thrust upon a desperate journey to deliver her to safety and restore faith for a future beyond those presently on earth so at the beginning we're met with uh clive owen we're walking with him he's getting a coffee and so the youngest person on the earth at this time he has become like a, a celebrity just by virtue of you know his birth um then he's 18 and he had just died. Uh, they called him baby Diego. So they go th- to links to show like this outcry, this public outcry. It looked like it reminded me of like princess Diana dying um, or just like a really huge figure, you know, like that they go and there's like all the flowers and everyone in the coffee shops, fucking weeping. And Clive Owens just like trying to get a fucking belter of a coffee and get on to work, you know? And like, it's it's very distinct, like, how much he doesn't give a fuck, like, compared to everyone else. And then he walks outside and pours himself an Irish coffee on top of the newsstand, you know, while everyone else is watching all the TV screens like Times Square and, like, baby Diego did at 18, the world's youngest. And I really like how it's punctuated by this fucking cafe bomb. I couldn't tell if it was the cafe he was just in. Yeah, it was. It seemed like it was. And it just blows up out of nowhere,
1: dude. Like, it startled me. It startled my cat. There was fuck, also yeah. a a good line later from Michael Caine, where was talking about if you if you wanted milk and sugar, it might have taken you out too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so and then, dude, that lady coming out screaming, holding her arm, and then it just hits you with the 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 credits, the opening or the opening title, "Children of Men." I remember that really like it it makes you stand up and take notice right away. Like I, I, I kind of like that. Um, if fe- watching in 2006, like it felt, it felt like a different kind of movie. Like it drew me in instantly with that, that kind of gut punch, that hook. And there's a couple other points throughout the film. that that gives you that, that same kind of feel, which I, re- I really dig, uh, this director's style. Um, but so from there, uh, and I mean, it, it paints it again. Like he walks in after that, he walks into the, his cubicle at the ministry of energy he works at. Um, and all of his office mates are fucking boohooing. They're sitting at their desk and they're crying for baby Diego. And, you know, still him. He's just like, what the fuck's going on here? And he's like, fuck, I can't deal with all this shit. You know? So he goes to his boss and's like, I need the day off. Insert. My name's Michael Kine. um, what do you think of Michael Caine in this, playing the kind of like the the former burnout hippie, pot growing activist John Lennon fella?
1: Yeah, I thought he did great. It, it's weird. I thought so. His wife, who they didn't really say explicitly, but they sort of implied she got like beaten senseless by the cops or and whatever. high five. She looked so much like Julianne Moore. I thought, are these her parents, like his former in-laws? Oh. And it wasn't until like I, I ended up reading the Wikipedia page and it, it just said this was a friend of his, but yeah. I felt like the the wife looked so much like her, it could have easily been her parents and they're old enough and, you know.
0: Yeah, I can see that now for sure. But yeah, they do. I like how he sprinkles in some of the exposition, the director, like before that, it, we, we get to Michael Caine's house where they're just hanging out and it goes through like all of his newspaper clippings. Like you can see like, okay, he was a former like hippie activist and it talks about his wife, Janice. It was like Janice, whatever. And she was like, looks like she, they met probably at rallies and shit. Cause she was like a, a photojournalist. Yeah. and. And then it ends with, you know, like that headline. It's like, what is, what was it? It was like, MI5 deny involvement in torture of photojournalist. And then it shows <laughs> yeah. her and she's like catatonic. She doesn't speak. And it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, they fucking, they did something to her. Um, cause she's just like catatonic the whole fucking movie. But, um, yeah, Michael Caine's got this hippie compound in the forest just outside of London. I was like, where is this? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not familiar with. British or London geography. I don't know if it's it's like 30 minutes and like out of town and you're in the forest. It it seemed kind of weird. It looks like they're in Oregon. I kept yeah. thinking. Or like the Emerald Triangle. Strawberry cough. Um, yeah, another thing you see too, which kind of scratched that itch about like, oh, what's going on? It's like big billboards that say Avoiding fertility tests is a crime. You know, going to that like this is where we are, and like, um, and then right beside it too, it's like report illegal immigrants, and then the one I like too is like the world has collapsed, only Britain soldiers on, and all this the propaganda type stuff. You know, um, I don't know, I, I the dystopian world and like some of the technology that's being used, it didn't seem so far fetched. It seemed like yeah we're pretty could be pretty close to something like that, you know, going down, and like this is the world we live in now, but uh,
1: yeah, I will say this might be an unpopular opinion, but just looking at it like pragmatically as an old man, um if the entire rest of the world has gone to shit, the island of Great Britain could not support the entire world population, so right, I mean, I get the point they're trying to make of. the the xenophobia or whatever but it's like okay but if this were to really happen this would not be sustainable to have every single person in the world who survived coming here so i don't i don't feel like it had the impact at least with me that they were going for it's like well yeah how could this how could this possibly work in reality i mean if this was reality they would just be killing these people they wouldn't be putting them in these camps they would just be yeah, shooting and dumping them in
0: the River Thames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's one thing. It's like, how do you get a tuh out of that? Um, yeah, there's so just... many
1: fun city names over there that you would love, like Stratford upon Avon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Eastwatch by the Sea, <laughs> Swansea. Uh, <clears throat> fucking brits uh limey's uh <clears throat> oh and then we get where we're also i like how they slipped in this this drug it reminded me of uh what is that shit pristique the oh, quietus yeah. yeah quiet us the fucking the government well, is, that
1: the, is that the suicide drug
0: yeah okay yeah yeah it's like a picture it's like a background of like blue sky and like big white fluffy clouds and so quiet us i'd like to see what the commercials were for those but yeah it looks like things are so bad that governments world governments maybe just britain are mailing out fucking packages of suicide pills to fucking the citizenry if if it just becomes too much um yeah i was like but i mean the closer we get to 2027 no yeah that's fucking wild
1: I mean, I don't, I'm no expert in Canadian medical treatment, but I think they're, they're increasing their, uh, euthanasia, uh, policy to include people who are willing to end their own life just because of like mental illness. Not, you know, not like somebody who's in stage four renal failure and where it's, right. you know, it's like, um, I like just someone who could actually use it. Yeah, it's like no, nah, I just want to check out, and they're like, "All right, go for it, go for it, eh?"
0: Yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, hoser. Uh, that's one thing I never understood. It's like, how could you deny someone if they were wanting to end their own life out of like sheer physical and mental yeah. anguish and pain, unrelenting that you know, is like a medical professional, isn't going to go away no matter how many drugs or whatever you throw at it. It's like fuck it yeah it's like have mercy what haven't you heard of mercy you know shit i know that's like the whole hippocratic oath do no harm and all that but it's like
1: well we talked about, think about that, it
0: another way aren't you doing harm by not you're, letting yeah, you're, this person you're just their check out on.
1: yeah yeah well we talked about that that doctor who was on trial last year dr Husel, who he had all these patients at the end of their life, and he was just, like, pumping them with crazy amounts of fentanyl. I mean, their their tolerance had gone way up, so it's not like he was overdosing them on purpose. But he's like, fuck it. These people are suffering. I'm just going to give them as much as their body can handle. Right. So they're, at least their last few days or weeks are at least comfortable because, I mean, I feel like we've all seen uh, older people at the end of their life, and it doesn't always look pleasant.
0: Yeah, it's rough. And I mean, <clears throat> not to throw the financial aspect in there too, but I mean that could be a big one too. Like think about like I think about if I if I were terminal and I was having all kinds of pain and all this, you know, mental anguish and shit. And then like the proposition of having your family watch you die slowly and fucking bleed the family dry too. It's like Right. You don't you don't want that to happen to your family either, you know, so that would even add to that pile of, like, just fucking let them punch out if they want to. Like, goddamn.
1: Well, and you can, you can <clears> see, <throat> I mean, because, like, with anything else, everything is incentive-based, right? So if you're in a country like Canada where it's uh, state-run, you can see where they're like, nah, just take this pill and go ahead and check out, which might be the more merciful thing. But in, in the States, it, it's like a double-edged sword where, you know, in the States, you might be getting better care. But if they're like, well, if we keep this person alive for another six months, we can We're gonna kill get
0: X amount more. Yeah, right?
1: so it's like, well, fuck, that's pretty counterintuitive to, yeah, you know. It was just a joke. I almost killed myself, Julie.
0: <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. So let's let we went on a bit of a tangent there. Uh, so back to the flick. One one of the the things that that happens is Julianne Moore somehow. Comes back into Clive Owen's life. I gotta quit calling him that. He's Theo. Clive Owen plays Theo. So Theo and uh, it kind of helps because Julianne, yeah, I think her name <laughs> is Julian. Yeah, um, big stress. So it, it it comes out later on a little bit that they used to be married, they had a child who died at a tragically at a young age because there were in 2008 in this timeline, there was some big flu pandemic uh, and he didn't make it. So um, they're estranged. And then she has gone off to, there's a couple different factions. There's like these religious zealots that out of this infertility thing that have formed. And then there's the, they called, they're called the fishes, which is, A so-called terrorist organization, but they claim to not be terrorists anymore that are fighting for, you know, equal rights and the rights of uh, immigrants to come in um, for sanctuary. Um, So that's their platform. And, you know, she's like, we don't bomb anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, we're (laughs) we're good now. Um, But she swears up and down anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that was once.
1: (laughs) that was twice and I was out of line
0: (laughs) Um, call this game fair I'll go to the papers so Julianne Moore uh, has a need and she hits up Clive Owen she's like hey I need to get I need to get this girl to the coast I need transit papers this and that it comes out so Theo has his cousin works higher up at the ministry that is kind of a weird part like how like showing the 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 black and white kind of uh like Theo going to inside the gates I guess of London and did you notice like the stark the contrast and it's like people are out and it it looks like present day now like there's people in a park and they're like It looks kind of normal besides all these fucking checkpoints that are heavily guarded as he gets closer and closer into like the, the, the safe zone where all the rich and I guess the, uh, upper middle class there are enjoying like kind of life as normal. I thought that was kind of an interesting, like just showing like you're that close from the savagery right outside the gate and then how it can look so normal, like on the other side, um, But yeah, his cousin's a real fucking weirdo, and he's like, hey, I need you to do me this favor. He's like, okay, whatever. I'll see what I can do. And it comes back that he's able to get joint transfer papers or transit papers to get through all these. Because there's, I mean, it, it harkens back to like, you know, like Gestapo and like, you know, papers, please. Like, there's all these checkpoints throughout London and stuff. So like, just getting from different boroughs or points across Britain seems very difficult. Um, if you don't have the right shit, so they're trying to smuggle this girl, and so now it draws Theo Clive Owen into this. Like, oh, this is the best I could do. I got to go with her, like as her chaperone or um her ward or whatever. So that's that's how they get connected, and so they're ostensibly going to like some kind of safe house. And what do you think of this this scene going through the woods?
1: Oh, with the flaming car and the ambush and. Yeah. Yeah, I so before you find out spoiler, before you find out that the young gal is pregnant, I was like, what the fuck is so special about this this one person? Like why are they smuggling her and and then yeah, they're they're driving to where they're dropping him off and then the flaming car comes down and it's a huge like twenty eight days later ambush wow. uh and then Julianne Moore gets shot in the face or the neck or whatever. Neck and yeah i was definitely not expecting that and yeah i think shortly after that is when we find out she's pregnant um Mm
0: -hmm. would you think though like when you when they're driving because the way they set this up they're driving and like they start doing a little bit of backstory of like oh theo used to know julian you know like they were uh, it seemed like you know, they were former lovers, you know, they used to do activism together and, and they're playing this little game and it, and it, it kind of disarms you because then like the camera pans through the windshield. So you're like POV in the car and you see, she's like someone in the back's like, Oh, what? look what? And then the camera, we go to the front windshield and we see this car way out in the distance and it's on fire and it gets closer and closer to come and cut them off. Like, I remember the first time I saw this and I saw, I was like what the fuck is that? Oh, yeah. And like, it comes down and it, all of a sudden, yeah, like 28 days later, it's like a horde of zombie, these fucking deranged, like backwoods fuckers. There's like a hundred of them. It seemed like 150 of them. They're fucking hucking rocks. And like, just like that, that downshift real fast like that was, it just feels so well done. Um, Like not even just choreographed, but just like the, the, kind of mind state it puts you in like oh shit dude like shit's real right now and then obviously too, julianne moore's in this for all of like 23 minutes and she gets shot in the neck and she's gone like immediately like it really kind of like knocks the wind out of you um so they're able to get away i thought it was badass too when clive owen fucking opens the door yeah on the the motorcycle the two two dudes on the motorcycle and the way it fucking like flips and that was awesome. Really cool fucking action set piece. Um, so th- they're on the lam now, and right right away too, they they're they're able to get away from that, and they see cops coming in the other direction towards that horde that just tried to get them. And then one of them flips a bitch, and they're like, "Oh fuck, what are we gonna do?" And the I guess one of the main bad guys, his name is Luke. He's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, of Doctor Strange, twelve years a slave, American gangster fame um he gets out and he's like he's like it's cool it's cool I, I got this, and he gets out of the car and he fucking just blasts <laughs> those two cops right away, just fucking kills my yeah, dad. I did not see that coming no, and i for- I forgot that part, and I was like, this is the part where he should have kind of had I wonder if he had an inkling like yeah like something might be off here. Like for for that to be the immediate response. Um I mean if he didn't have know.
1: that if he did have that inkling at first, it might have been tempered later when he found out she was pregnant, like, oh, this is what the big deal was all about.
0: Yeah. But then that's but then true. when he
1: finds out about the the double cross.
0: Right. Then yeah. then that's I where I get can't... I get a little
1: nitpicky with the plot at that point without skipping ahead too far.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and I mean, there's, there's a double cross. There's a lot of different legs on this journey that we go through.
1: There's a white guy uh, with dreads who looks like a guy we used to work with.
0: Dude, he does. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, dude. That's wild. Gonna need a restock. Um, Do you know who that's played by?
1: Uh yeah Charlie uh, Hunnam. Yeah. The
0: fellow from Sons of Anarchy. Early never, role for him.
1: I never watched I never watched that show.
0: I didn't get into it either, but he was in Pacific Rim later on and he was just in a really good uh Guy Ritchie film. Have you seen I think it's called The Gentleman? Oh yeah. I have. With Matt McConaughey and have you seen it? Grant.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. I liked it a lot. Dude, I liked it so much more
0: than I was expecting because Me too. Uh, Colin Mc- Farrell in that fucking tracksuit.
1: Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, I'm just kind of lukewarm about. Um,
0: I man, like him a lot, but yeah, I thought he, he didn't really blow my nuts away in it.
1: I mean, he did better in it than I was expecting. So when I, Guy Ritchie, I like a lot. Um, Matthew McConaughey, lukewarm. And then when I was reading the plot, like, oh, a marijuana farmer, I'm like, ah, I really just don't care. But then we watched it, I was like, damn, this is so good. It, it reminded yeah. me of Snatch, just as, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, because Guy Richie, But, yeah, I liked it so much more than I was expecting. And I and I knew I recognized Charlie Hunt What is it? Hunnam? Hun- um? Hunnam. Um. Hunnam. Um. I knew I recognized him from something, but something that I liked, but I couldn't remember what it was. So
0: Yeah, he was that main dude that was shacked up with... Uh- Hugh Grant. I liked Hugh Grant a lot in that too. He was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. And as that, in that role was really funny. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, I really yeah, like that movie a lot. That was a good fucking movie, but yeah, that was him. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's awesome. I, I really liked him in uh, if any fans of Firefly out there. He was in the movie uh, Serenity. He's a fucking awesome villain. Like, Kinda of like this guy, only he, he's like an assassin that's just on this this crew's ass the whole movie. And he, he's a really, really good fucking villain. Um but yeah, he he turns out to be super dirty. Um so <clears throat> oh, a little uh trivia about him too, he's got a couple nasty scars on his forehead i don't know if he could tell in the movie but in interviews he's got these crazy scars but i guess his dad was killed in an automobile automobile accident when he was 11 and he survived and his dad died and that's what the scars are from they're fucking pretty gnarly. Wow. like when you see him in an interview i was like damn dude that's gotta be so hardcore to fucking go through Shit. that and-, and witness that um but anyway so right right around here we get back to the safe house i don't know if it's the intended one but then we find out key who is the the precious cargo this 18 19 year old girl she's pregnant and so that's kind of like the the fucking mic drop like oh shit like yeah this is this is why this is so fucking serious because there's all these crazy political implications and they start getting into it and easing in like she's just gonna be torn apart like in every different direction like these fishes are trying to use it for you know to unify and to like break down these barriers because she's obviously an immigrant she's not like native to britain um and so and then you can only imagine like if she fell in the wrong hands with the government like what are they going to do to her poke and prodder and like or silence her like maybe it's like a conspiracy thing going on we don't know so the one thing that they do emphasize is, do you know what it's called? It's like the human project yeah, or something. The human project. This is like the thing in the background. This is like the end of the rainbow. Like, you know, this is their goal. They're trying to get to the human project, which ostensibly is going to take her in and help the world reproduce and figure out like why, why she's not infertile or whatever. So that's, that's the yeah. end game. Um, So, very quickly, we see like, uh, like Clive Owen, they fucking sack out. He wakes up in the middle of the night. This is another chance and faith kind of thing that happens. By chance, he's, he wakes up and he goes down. I mean, it's very convenient for the plot of the movie, but he wakes up and he hears, oh, here's the double cross, you know, like they're going to kill him in the morning. And because now that Julian's dead, Luke, played by, uh, Igio four, he's top dog. It seems like he's running the show now. He's like, yeah, we'll we'll do him in the morning. We'll take her, and you know they're gonna do whatever for their political reasons or their their factions end game. So, well, and this they part al- was very they tense.
1: Also so clunkily, like explicitly say like. That's why we had you kill Julian. You know, it's like yes, okay, we get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that's where the exposition kind of goes into the other direction where they're really spoon feeding it to you. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're like, like yeah, that's we we fucking killed her, and like you know we we're the bad guys, like right. <laughs> <laughs> with a megaphone. Um, but, so. Clive Owen's like, fuck, we got to act, you know? So like that whole scene, like, I remember the first time I watched it and it it hit me pretty much the same. It's pretty tense, like them kind of moving in the shadows. And I also didn't really, it doesn't feel super believable, especially like the way like they get in the car and they have to jump start it and they're trying to push start it. It's like (laughs) they have cars there and there's like 20 people with automatic weapons. It's like, how were they able to get out of this compound like that? Well, and there was I mean, a, there
1: was the car chasing them, which suddenly disappeared. And it was, <laughs> it was
0: just, well, you know, they they went down the hill and they try, They're supposed to turn right, and it's like, oh fuck! The driver just went straight, and it's like that's super convenient <laughs> that he. It's like how many times has he taken that right?
2: Yeah, you
0: know, like, and he knows these roads, and it just happens to like crash and like, yeah, everything works out perfect for them to get away. Um, which does It, it does that felt a little cheap uh a little weak but anyway they get away and um what happened is that where they he takes him back to Michael Kane's my yes. name's Michael Kane yes um so go back to Michael Kane's little pot outpost where he's fixated on making people smoke his weed and cough and say what's it taste like it's strawberry cough <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> So, and then that's where we get some more exposition. We get the backstory, like, yeah, they used to be together, him and Julian and their son died and blah, 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 blah. So Key hears that and like, she's like, oh, you know, like the bond of, of her, her and Clive Owen, like it, it gets whittled down towards the end of this movie and it's just them at the very end, you know? So it shows them kind of their, their progression of, and it's kind of built in though, too, Which feels a little cheap, because she's like, Julian told me to trust you, so we'll do whatever you say. You know, it's like, this guy could be fucking just as shady as as Luke, you know, trying to use you for his own gains. You don't know. But they kind of bake that in, which is convenient, again, for the plot. But then, of course, we get an alarm. It seems that the fishes have, have tracked... The crew back to, this is one of my favorite scenes too, is Michael, Michael Caine going out. What'd you think of this scene when he's like, you guys get out of here. I'll take care of this. I've talked myself out of worse.
1: Yeah. I mean, super good, super like touching, but right before this part is where I I have to take a little bit of issue when they're trying to map where the human project boat is going to be.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that's a whole convoluted thing with mirrors and shit. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you have the only
1: pregnant person in the world. You've got to come forward and like go to the authorities in some way because which which you find out later when when everybody sees her with the baby, everything yeah, else like, oh. everything else goes away. It doesn't matter what party you're part of or whoever. It's like you had to have known that would be the reception you would get. But instead they're like, let's sneak into a refugee prison to maybe get on a boat to go to another boat that we're not exactly sure is there. Like where the
0: fuck it is. Yeah. If you're playing the odds,
1: that seems extremely far fetched. Um, So that that's my biggest issue with the plot from here on out.
0: I mean, what? Clive Oven says that even too. Like when they're all kind of when they're like the brain trust is talking, like, "What do we do?" You know, this that he's like, "Fucking go public." He's like, "Yeah, open the shit up." It's like, cause yeah, that's what would happen. It'd be it'd be so wide, the optics on it would be so big that she would be her. She would make herself unkillable. I feel like. Well, yeah, I mean, the, entire, part, the entire the entire world. world fire,
1: if you're afraid of being like probed and prodded. The entire world is going to pamper you beyond all recognition because they want to keep you alive, keep you healthy, and, yeah, study you for <laughs> for the benefit of everybody. It just seems yeah, like, it's like
0: what? what's, what's the human project going to do on a boat out yeah. in the ocean that, you know, the, the state can't do, you know, like... I mean, I I have my mistrust and problems with the government and stuff too, but something like that, that big, that big of a bomb, even in this dystopian nightmare uh, of a landscape we're dealing with is like, it's too big for her to just like get whisked away or something, you know, but yeah, that, that part does feel a little cheap because yeah, they really have to go through the fucking ringer to get her where she needs to get. Be on this boat at the for the end game, but um. But the
1: Michael Kane scene you were you were asking about, uh, super nice because you can tell when he's talking to Clive Owen, neither one of them believe he's going to make it out of there alive, but they're both sort of silently agreeing like, all right, this is fine, you know, we'll just go ahead, and, and then when he goes in and kills his wife and dog, <laughs> mercifully. Yeah. That was-
0: I I thought he would. I don't know if he took the pills too, the quietest pills right before, or I don't think because so. I don't know if, if if that shit works immediately. But <clears throat> I couldn't tell if he took that stuff too. But either way, yeah, he he puts his wife and and pop out of his out of their misery and kind of goes out there and he's like, yeah, hey, I don't, I haven't seen him, you know, and they come out with a a piece of that fucking what's-her-face left, like, the map and shit, and it's like, oh, look, they're going to Brixton Hill or wherever the (laughs) fuck. And then Clive Owen gets pissed. He's like, get the fuck away from me. He's like, yeah, use your fucking brain, man. It's like, yeah, let's leave this, like, prime gold real estate intel out in the open. But it was fun to see.
1: She gets her comeuppance shortly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, dude i like that too like jumping forward to her going away uh she's like oh but no miriam and then clive owen's like no she's fine it'll be okay and they immediately put a black bag over her head and she's just like gone it's like "Eh, i don't think so
1: (laughs) yeah bye Um,
0: excuse me it was nice Um, knowing you but yeah michael kane he fucking they shoot him in the hand and he fucking spits on him he's like fuck you and he shoots him in the leg and then he's all pull my finger <laughs> calling back to a previous like thing and yeah then they just fucking shoot him right in the heart and I was like damn man that sucks yeah but yeah you went out like a fucking savage letting them go um, I guess we don't need to synopsize the rest of the flick but a bunch of shit happens they go back and forth they, they get they go through a, a series of intermediaries started by michael kane he's like find this guy make sure you call him a fascist pig
1: dude <clears throat> i thought we were gonna love sid he started yeah, he, he turned, started off as such a badass like yeah he was tough cool. guy funny guy sympathetic um no bs but then when he turns it was like fuck man i thought you were gonna be a, a cool dude
0: yeah i That felt a little cheap too, because I've seen that done so many times in movies, you know, like where you get to like, like they endear you to a character and then it turns up, you know, the money was right, you know, or it was, you know, I couldn't pass this up. it's like, so you're fucked now. Fuck all that other shit. I just said like, but yeah, this guy, I think he did a really good job as, as Sid in this character, this, this role. Um Also, at this point, too, Clive Owen has been marauding around the London countryside in nothing but fucking flip, cheap ass flip flops. Oh man, that don't even fit him, dude. It's fucking wild. Um, and then they go to like th- this third act. In a lot of spots, felt very like Saving Private Ryan, like like the level of like the the battle. It's a, and, it
1: just turned into like a weird war
0: movie yeah <laughs> it did it, it, it kind of disarming too like the rest of the movie like the beginning the opening and the the whole set piece where julia moore dies like it just really it's like all of a sudden like shit goes from zero to 60 like instantly and then we stay there for like 30 minutes you know i mean it looks like we're in like war-torn iraq or or bosnia or somewhere all these like these dilapidated fucking like mega like project apartment buildings where people are just in utter squalor and it's like this refugee camp also like they're cordoned off so everything's just like it's complete third world country like fucking war hellscape that they're they're thrust in um, well
1: yeah and then there's <clears throat> the weird because sid tells him like oh they found out you're here so they're breaking in and then there was that weird like Islamic militia parade going down the middle mm-hmm. of the street. Like where the fuck did these guys come from? <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, it what, looked like I mean
1: what's the things symb- break- what's the symbology there?
0: Yeah, exactly. Unrealized idea. <laughs> Unrealized. I can see though in like, you know, like one of those burned out like ghettos like that, like multiple like different splinter factions popping up. It's just fucking chaos i just chalked it up to like that's just another fucking group you know like but they had guns
1: so they must have come in from the outside unless they're
0: like i was thinking about it in or like they had like the wall or they had like a an opening gate but then the rest of it was like you're on your own kind of like a uh escape from la or escape from new york like this whole section is just like free roaming like bedlam like whatever the fuck you want out of here but you can't come in this way i don't know that's that's just kind of the like the vibe i got because i was like yeah where are they getting all these fucking guns from um in this prison camp or refugee zone or whatever but
1: i assumed um, they were saying that that group was part of the uprising who broke in from the outside which didn't uh, make any sense because then the high value target, this pregnant woman is wading into that group. Like get the fuck out of there. What are you
0: doing? Yeah. I kept thinking, I forgot this part and I kept thinking, Oh fuck. One of them is going to like notice and see and like grab them. And that's going to be another side quest, but fortunately not. Um, but yeah, like some of these like shots of the tanks, like firing into this fucking apartment building where there's women and children and like they're firing back down on them. And like, it's fucking wild. And they go on this fucking labyrinthine journey. And they're also the fishes that they're on the run from Charlie Hunnam and EGO four. They come back into the fold and they kind of like intersect and like, they grab, they grab the baby and key for a second. And Clive Owen's got to fucking go in. And like, he, he has a real moment too, where he's like dodging and fucking running and gunning and getting fucking dirty. And his foot, Gashed the fuck up, like it. It really does. It reminded me. I was like, this is like well done, like on the level of like Private Ryan, like just like the the way they put it all together on film looked really, really good and was tense as shit.
1: Well, there Um, was one, there was one shot in particular that when I looked up the trivia, they talked about it, and it reminded me of Saving Private Ryan, and I I don't hold this writer and director in as high of esteem as you do. Um, but there was one of the one of the takes where the camera gets splattered with the fake blood. I think when he's inside the
0: bus. Yeah, and, and it kind of stays there. and lingers for a few shots.
1: Yeah, and I, when I was watching it, I was like, "That's really cool, like a stylistic choice." But mm-hmm. the the piece of trivia I read was it was an accident, and the director tried to cut, but they just couldn't hear him over all the commotion, so they just left it oh. in. And then after the fact, it was praised, and he just called it a happy accident. Like, yeah, you dumb fuck. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's I thought it rad. was a really cool effect. Yeah, I did too. I was like, "That's fucking brutal."
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I saw the same. <clears throat> the The same. Quaron, uh, the writer and director, he chose not to read <laughs> the original novel
0: because he said nice. he feared it
1: would compromise his vision for the project. That's an interesting choice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you'd at least have to want to do like a Cliff's Notes or get a high level summary, which I'm sure he did. You would have to for it to be based on the book. You'd have to know it.
1: Yeah. I just thought it was a funny thing. Like, no, I'm not going to read the book that I'm going to draft a screenplay of. (laughs) Yeah. I got the gist.
0: I've heard, I can't remember what it was. There's another movie where someone did that and it was even more stark than, than this. I was like, really? Fuck. I can't remember what movie it was now. Um. He's a ghost and he writes to us. Ghost Rider. So I, w- one of the, I mean, most poignant points of this film is I guess we totally glossed over the fact that he has her baby in the midst of all this commotion, like in the span of a day and a half or so, Uh, getting from point A to point B. In the dirtiest room of all time. Yeah, the most disgusting, dilapidated fucking...
1: (laughs) Clive Owen is washing his hands in a bucket of water and then douses them with some kind of liquor and then... And then is still like moving his coat around on the dirty ass mattress, and
0: yeah. Did you notice the the CGI baby? Did that give you any problems?
1: It didn't, but I don't okay. have the greatest eyesight, so
0: yeah. This I got some new spectacles, and it was really like I was like, oh shit, that's that does not look good. You can you can definitely see the two thousand six come across in the. I mean, obviously they couldn't have used a real fucking baby, but. I mean, maybe a mix of practical effect doll and CGI could have looked better, but who knows? That's a very small gripe. You don't see the baby's face a ton. But she <laughs> like, has a fucking baby.
1: And I like when they find out it's a girl. She's like, I want to name, him, name a bazooka. <laughs> he's like, I was just getting used to Frolly, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Which, when she says earlier on, she's like, thinking about naming it Frolly, And he's like, what? You can't name it Frowley. I was like, it's kind of a fun name. I can, well, I can but get, also I you, get on
1: board with Frowley. You also have a rich history of floating really bad children's names. So. That's
0: true. I did want to name my son Bro, but in the Cajun style, as in the LSU fans who do Go Tigers, and they they spell it G-E-A-U-X. I wanted to name my son Bro. B-R-E-A-U-X and goat goat G-L-A-T just just because it had a nice ring (laughs) that's not a realm of possibility for a nickname too if he has goat like characteristics (laughs) real stubborn leads with his head um so little tiny goatee that too yeah, he might grow facial hair, dude. I didn't. I couldn't grow a beard to save my dick until I turned like twenty five. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um. So Key has the baby. So this last like set piece, twenty minutes, she's fucking carrying a baby whose ears have eardrums have to be blown out. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> um. But the scene that's that really kind of hits you, a powerful moment is, so. I, I liked the the lead up like she has the kid and like all the chaos is ramping up and we get to this crescendo and the baby is crying throughout. And I feel like more and more people start noticing like she, they're going through this, you know, uh, this apartment and, you know, there's terrorists, there's freedom fighters on one side. Then there's you see the the paramilitary military force of Britain or whatever, and they're coming in trying to each side kind of notices and it's getting louder. And then it kind of, it comes to that point where they all stop. And like the guy, I think, I think one of like cease like ceasefire, ceasefire yeah. on, on the, the British, like the soldier side and both sides stop and they see, and they're allowed to like go through and they, it's like Moses, like part in the red sea, like, like everyone stops and like, Oh, you know, like, what are we doing here? But then I also thought it was kind of funny because all it takes is like 30 seconds of that. And then someone lobs a grenade or a fucking mortar and they turn around and forget about that fucking (laughs) baby at light speed and the wars, the fight, the firefight's back on and they fucking abscond through this fucking tunnel cave with this fucking gypsy lady in a canoe and they're off out into the fucking ocean and roll credits. But, um, which I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I get what it's saying. Like. I mean, that does feel realistic. I mean, this powerful moment and all it takes is one thing. And it's like, oh, fuck, we're we're in a firefight. Fuck that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was sweet because it was like a brutal firefight. But then this like universal truce happens when everybody sees the baby, but it could only last for so long. And so so once they're gone, I mean, then then you end on a really sweet note. With him bleeding yes. out in the boat, trying to get her not to worry, and and she says Dude. she's going to name the kid after his Dylan. dead kid. Yeah. and
0: it's like it's a girl's name too. And he fucking has this moment where he's like, just floors him, you know?
1: Ah, yeah, it's man. like he he's finally okay, and he could just let go and and die. Um, I didn't mind because because I imagine some people were irritated where it ends before they even get on the boat. And like, well, what happens next? That didn't bother me that much.
0: Yeah, I was, I liked that. I'm, I'm glad they did that. Cause I could, I could have seen them dragging this out another 20, 30 minutes to get, really give you the ultra happy ending. You know, I like how it leaves off on like, there's, there's a little, there's a glimmer of hope now, but yeah. They don't they don't wrap it up in a nice little bow, which I I, I appreciate. And I like that, too.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily need like everything to be wrapped up, like you said, in a bow at the end. I just I just wish there would have been a little bit more explanation on the front end. But
0: yeah, I was thinking like I would have been fine with this being like two and a half, maybe even three hours if they beefed up more around the first third and maybe the second act expanded upon that, like you said, maybe a little bit more exposition about what's going on, fill in some do a little bit more world building, maybe, a little bit more character development couldn't have hurt too. But who knows? Maybe that would have dragged it out and made those intense kind of scenes feel a little bit more flat. Who knows? But yeah, I, I definitely could have rode with, with this world and what they were putting down for another half hour for sure. So long as they didn't tack it on the at the end.
1: Yeah. Well, and I bet the book had such good background on Theo and Julian, and get you really emotionally invested. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did read one review where the guy says uh, the novel must have made much more sense than Koran's cheerful but incoherent screen adaptation. Which I think that's a fair criticism. I I feel like he, it was just kind of.
0: Yeah. Who knows if the, the down even more brutal or like has a, has a less than cheerful kind of take on it towards the end. Um, I could see being a fan of the book and, and feeling a little short changed. So the, 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 the tiny
1: bit that I read said that in the book, Julian is the one who's pregnant and Theo's ah. protecting her throughout the story. And then, you know, probably bad shit happens the entire time. But there was like a weird amalgamation of characters, probably just to compress for time to go from the book to the movie. But
0: I got a fun piece of trivia. The title of the source novel and the movie *Children of Men* comes from Psalm 90: Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations; before the mountains were brought forth, wherever Thou hadst formed the earth and the world, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, "Return, ye children of men." For a thousand of you, ye- for a thousand years in Thy sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Are you familiar with that passage, Stephen?
1: Uh, no, not really. And even have, <laughs> even having listened to it now, I don't even really understand
0: <clears throat> what it said. Yeah, i have to, that's that's when I'd have to go back to Sunday school and have him break down. Um, <clears throat> the author P.D. James was reportedly very pleased with the finished movie. So who knows?
1: Well, that's good. I mean, you've got to take that as an endorsement.
0: Yeah. I also read too, they, I guess they explain in the, I, I'm sure obviously in the book, they do way more background on like what's going on. But in, in the book, the, the root of the infertility is actually a male problem. It's something with uh, the world populations, male sperm. There's like something that defects it. So it's not on, I mean, that's- it's not left open-ended.
1: Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, that's not too far off or where we're going now. As far as I understand, I feel like sperm, yeah. sperm counts going down, like motility is going down.
0: I've heard something is, it isn't like by 2040 or 2050, it's supposed to like have or something or. I don't I, know. I just saw like an infographic about that. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of scary, kind of disturbing, but I'm not, I, al- I
1: also don't know if I'm, if I'm the perfect audience for this movie, because I don't like kids. I like cats. So if it's if it's supposed to show you a dystopian future 20 years in the future where <laughs> cats are still alive and breeding healthy but there are no children screaming and crying that's that's a utopia, brother. That's not a dystopia. Do, <laughs> Do not come.
2: Do not come.
0: Yeah, when you put it like that, I should have seen that coming. It's like, fuck, dystopian, sign me up. It comes in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Another piece of, oh, I don't know, trivia, but uh, I I normally don't look at this, but this one kind of caught me off guard. So, the box office, the budget of this film, was estimated 76 million dollars which i was like that's pretty fucking high for 06. Yeah. i mean they they do have a lot of pretty crazy set pieces where i see they could sink some of that money but still i was like that i feel like that's they that could is. have done this for like 30 to 50 yes but um what it bring anyway, the gross u.s and canada was only 35 mil and so with combined with the rest of the world this isn't including dvd so it's probably become profitable but just box office take gross worldwide was 70.5 million so they lost 5 million just on the budget which doesn't include marketing and all that shit yeah. which is, they usually say is like double so let's say 120 to 150 mil investment in this and they got 76 or seventy in return. So this, by that metric, it's a bomb. But it's crazy how critically revered it was, and it it didn't take like twenty years later. I'm assuming because I think this was pretty highly. It was critically acclaimed when it came out, too. Yeah, because this director has uh, he he's he had a big name before this, uh, with Itumama Tambien and. There was another film right before this, I think, that he did that kind of like, oh, okay, this is like a prestige kind of director, but I wonder if that, I'm sure they clawed some of that back over the years with DVD sales and stream and Blu-rays and all that kind of shit, but still I was like, damn, I feel like it, it should have cost less to make and they should have made, I feel like this with, with how highly revered it is, it would have performed a little bit better, but. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I really and not to gloss over the end. The end is really that's that's the the scene that got me that I I wasn't expecting it to. And I'm I'm sure cuz when I saw this I was like 21. I saw this in the theater and seeing it now damn near 40 with two kids definitely hits you like I've never dealt with loss, but you can only imagine like, you know. And it 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 goes back you you see like he's given up theo throughout like he's just like a shell of a person kind of walking through it doesn't really give a fuck like yeah and you know he's had to deal with the loss of his kid probably never really processed that or grappled with it and you get this nice closure at the end with him and i like too because at first i was like oh fuck is something wrong because he freaks out she sees the blood thinks it's coming from her yeah and clive owen's like no it's me he's like they got me back there and, and then they, yeah, like, she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to name him. And I like how they did that with the names. Cause they talked about like, Oh, I'm thinking about naming him this. And then the, the bazooka, that's a fun <laughs> little part. And then it comes back full circle. She's like, I'm going to name it Dylan. She's like, it's a girl's name too. And like, you see this little twinkle kind of in Clive Owen's eye. And he's like, he's like, okay, I can kind of rest now. Like, yeah, I, it, it wasn't expecting it to like just jump up and fucking blow my dick off, but it did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the same experience for sure.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, children, men chalk it up as a whim. I it's do. A, a I do have film. one more
1: nonsensical review. If you have a moment, please. Oh yeah. Uh, this is Mark. Ram- me. <laughs> this is Mark Ramsey from movie juice. Juice. I'm going to need your help with this one because it doesn't make any sense to me. I'll try. It says, there are no more children left in the world! Exclamation mark. A world where Pixar gives up movies for CG animated select comfort sleep number bed commercials. What the
0: fuck? Is that it? That's it. I can't help you, brother. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> gives way to sleep there are, there are
1: no more child there are no more children left in the world, exclamation mark. A world where Pixar gives up movies for CG animated select comfort sleep number bed commercials.
2: What the fuck that-
0: I don't know what that means. Yep. It just seems like a non sequitur like he could have like after Pixar, he could have just said any words yeah. <laughs> and put a period and it would mean the exact same. I don't know what the fuck the sleep number is. It's like an advertising anything. bot who's just like picking things <laughs> like,
1: oh, Starbucks, <laughs> Bitcoin, Carl's Jr. Sandwich. like what, Dot what? virus. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's just uh yeah, that definitely sounds like an AI script ran amok. Um Yeah, I reread it like thirty times, <laughs> and it still makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, fuck that person, whoever that is. Oh, please. Um, <clears throat> man, yeah, those Amazon. I need to go to Amazon and start looking at stuff. I never think to. I always I always default to IMDb as kind of my my single source of movie truth often Coolio. Yeah, Amazon right. is is
1: it's bad, but it's it's ripe for bad reviews. I think I might actually know what this review is trying to say if you'll indulge me for a moment. Yeah. I think what he's saying is there are no more children left in the world. A world where Pixar gives us movies for CG animated select comfort sleep number bed commercials. Like in this dystopian future where there's no children left, Pixar has taken their talents to CG animated advertising. I think is what he's saying. Okay. I'm just gonna go uh kill myself.
2: <laughs> you could be a flapper? Oh what?
0: <laughs> oh, oh what a sleep you could be a sleep number mattress CGI created. Oh boy. So many fucking weird people in the world. Why don't you get yourself a horse? Um dude, this is total ADD autism brain but i i I wrote it down and i've forgotten it like the last three episodes but i can't remember what movie it was that that we covered i was sticking around for the end credits and sometimes i like to pick out fun names like oh that's because there's some pretty wild names you'll see in the credits and one i thought was just like this sounds like such a badass fucking name samuel register and I heard it in, like, the movie, Samuel Register. I was like, dude, that sounds like a dope name. Sam Register. Like, if you were, like, a, just like a, like a fixer, like a mechanic, like, yeah, assassin. That's someone. a fake like, name for sure. Samuel Register. Samuel Register. <laughs> just, Have you looked it up? No. I just saw it on the credits. I was like, that's a fun name. He was, like, a fucking key grip or something like working the electrical department. Oh
1: okay. Yeah, that is a good name.
0: Well, this will push us up to eighty seven point nine percent. We're back we've been on quite the fucking hot streak. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're okay. <laughs> oh my
1: god you're gonna tell me
0: I swear to christ I've had a cough I've been sick since the end of fucking since christmas dude it's like have you heard this thing going around it's like people are talking about like the, the 100 day cough and all this bullshit and I'm like I'm, I'm on day like 97 dude I don't know what the fuck it is but I feel like I'm just about to crest the hill <clears throat>
1: Uh, is that like rsv i hear people talking about
0: that yeah i don't know if it's that maybe it is i don't know i hate going to doctors though so i haven't really gone because i mean the only thing they can give me if it was like bacterial is fucking antibiotics <laughs> anything else is just like it's too late if it's viral to try to treat it with an antiviral so it's just like take more zinc vitamin c and d which i have been doing but <clears throat> whatever. Uh, cool. So looking forward to next week, we finally, will have some, uh, some runway to provide. It's going to be an edit point. Cause I got to double check this before I tell listeners <laughs> where the fuck to go. I didn't have this prepped. So next week we will be welcoming back once again, uh, returning champ, Chris Ruth's Chris from the Mount Mulhill podcast and he has suggested a film called Bad Influence from 1990 that is available for rent on Vudu and to stream on Prime Video, Roku Channel, Tubi, and Pluto TV. So it's out there. Uh, it stars James Spader and Rob Lowe. Uh, and I've been told in the description is somewhere along the lines of like a Pacific Heights with Michael Keaton and Matthew Modine, if you've ever seen that. Or a single white female, kind of an obsessive friend that turns dangerous. Uh, hijinks ensue. So that's what we'll be discussing next week. Um, so check that out in advance. And we'll be rapping about it with old Chris Dog, who's just a fan favorite. He's been on Ghoulish now. Everyone he comes into contact with just loves him. So we're, we'll be glad to rejoin with Chris. Um, if you have any questions, comments, hate mail, you can reach out to us directly at wax at waxingtheporpus.com or either of, either of our socials. Instagram is at waxing the porpoise. Twitter X is at waxing the porp. You got any final thoughts?
1: Nope. Just looking forward to raising the flag with chris next week
0: we will and i'm an asshole because i don't have a raise the flag bump but i'm gonna put it in post for sure so sean you're my same height that That is is neat neat (laughs) so thanks for joining us once again and we will see you when we see you we'll see you later raise the flag raise the flag (laughs) If you're ready for a little more ponchos, raise the flag, raise the flag. You're ready for a little more ponchos, Mexican buffet.